You're listening to the Watermark OC Church Sunday morning Q&A portion of our Sunday service. At Watermark, we have a mission statement that says we want to build a generational community that flourishes in God conversations and the authentic love of Jesus. So one Sunday, every teaching series at least, we hope to model how to have these God conversations. And uh, the Q&A that you're going to hear is by no means an effort to prove that we are the Bible answer people. And uh, it's not stump a pastor. Actually, the aim is simply to give you a humble model for how to do this in the areas where you live, work, and play, how to thoughtfully and empathetically engage in a dialogue with your friends, neighbors, family, and coworkers. So having said that, we sincerely hope you enjoy. And if you have questions, feel free to email us at watermarkoc.com slash questions. Thanks again for listening. What are some questions you may have? Shoot your hand up and Isaac is here with another microphone. And um, checking our inbox here. As always, I have airplane mode on, so that won't help. Stand by. Load these up. Chelsea, you ready? Come on. Are you ready? All right, great. Here we go. Oh, beautiful. First question, how do you grow out of these behaviors? How do you grow out of these behaviors? Perfect. That's where the message ends. And my short answer for now, I'd love to hear from your space and your, and your, your practice, Chelsea. Um, I've learned this from Mark Rogers. He's one of our leaders. And he has a great class when it's offered maybe in the fall called Renewing the Mind. You must consider taking it. But the place I'm at right now in my life with my own bad behavior, if you will, my own unwholesome speech, my coarse jesting, right? Character that's beneath me. What I'm learning is that I have to make a decision. I have to make not just one decision, okay? Not just one decision, a thousand decisions a day. A thousand decisions a day. That when I'm tempted to have that coarse speech fly out of my mouth, I have to say, that's not who I am. I have to have the ability to slow down. By the the power of the Holy Spirit, I have to have the ability to slow down the stimulus, whatever it is that's making me angry or making me want to, you know, shout. To slow down the stimulus and my response. The only way I can do that is through the the helping, aiding power of the Holy Spirit. But really, that's the second second step, you guys, to feeling the conviction that you want to change these behaviors. No one ever changed that didn't believe they had a problem. (laughs) I know that was a double negative. Let me say it another way. (laughs) Those who really change behaviors, they start day one with a conviction they have a behavior to change. You will never build new habits or new behaviors or new ways of thinking without admitting, I need a new way. And it really helps to be humbly on our knees. I don't know, Chelsea, I don't want to force you, but if you have anything on that, what you've learned or seen, please. Well, I think that's really good. And then uh, what I would also encourage um, is look more to where you want to go than where you're failing because we go where we focus. And so if you're focusing on the behaviors or you're focusing on the thought patterns or you're focusing on, oh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be my mom. I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to be this. You're going to find yourself in some variety of that. And so focus more on what do you want. Have the Bible as your your example and maybe have some really good verses that um, give grace and um, help you to focus on, on the destination because you're more likely to get to where you're going if you're looking in a positive direction. So good. So good. I love that. And, and this is a great segue. Next question says, if we, what, what if we don't have a desire to stop? What I tell you right now is, seriously, let, let the inhibition down right now. And, and I ask you, I, I'm begging you, come forward and receive prayer after service. Um, just come forward. No one's going to be looking. 
No one's looking at you, they're looking at themselves. But there's many answers to that, but that's my first one today. That was my hope and my prayer for the service today, is that for someone who doesn't have the desire to change yet, just come forward and let's pray that, that the Holy Spirit would give you that conviction to change and to start over again. Also in, um, I believe it's Psalm 139, it says, um, search me and know me, test my anxious thoughts and lead me in your ways everlasting. Um, and I use that as an opening prayer a lot of times, uh, almost daily, to say, Lord, if there's some place in my heart that I'm not giving to you or that I am not receiving your conviction, make me miserable in it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. and, and God, God honors that. He'll make you miserable <laughs> in your sin. <laughs> Um, and, and so that's a good place to start because change from, change from yourself is usually not long lasting, but change that comes from, from God, that, that God calls you on, that is, that, that's the deep stuff. So good. Amen. I love that, Chelsea. When I, when I felt like the Holy Spirit was calling me um, to lay down alcohol about eight years ago, um, not because I was a drunkard, but because I was using it. I just felt that conviction. I was using it for something even over rest or over relaxation, whatever it was, right? My prayer, when I felt finally, and he had to bang me over the head two or three times, but finally I felt like, okay, God, I'm saying yes. I'm agreeing with that word you put in my heart. It's found agreement finally. I'm saying yes to it. My prayer request was that prayer. I said, God, make the taste detestable to me. Around the holiday times when it's really fun and even with our good family, we're having a few drinks. God, make it detestable to me. Let me lose the taste for it. And he's been faithful. Eight years later, he's been so faithful to help me in that journey. Here's a great question. It says, we talk about ministering to homeless people. Some of them are drunkards or addicted to drugs. I would venture to say God calls us to be with them and minister even at their lowest moments. How does this align with your argument in Proverbs with not socializing with drunkards? Thank you. Really, really important part to specify that I probably missed in, in contrasting. Um, the short answer is, I think it's a different context, 100%. The context of Proverbs is socializing. So this is your, uh, these are your peers, these are your social equals, these are guys that are friends, family, whoever they are, colleagues, um, and, and that, that even footing is a different environment altogether than when we'll go with the street teams this summer, by the way, it's one Thursday every month this summer, and we'll go with the street teams, and we'll go out, what's different is not only the social class, but the power balance, right? The person you're going out to serve, are they even remotely close to having influence over you? That's the question that you ask. This ultimately, thank you so much for this question. This is ultimately a question of influence. In your peer group, in your inner circle of people you look to for love and connection and intimacy, I, I tell people this all the time, not just teenagers anymore, we all need this lesson. Are you influencing them? Or are they influencing you? They have access to you in that way. And the line between co-equals is going to be way thinner. Between co-equals is going to be way thinner between their lifestyle and your lifestyle as it would be if you were homeless. So I don't know if you got anything on that. I don't think so. That was pretty good. Great question. <laughs> Next one. Are we saying CBD for anxiety isn't okay? So the first qualifier is this. That's a, that's a medical, quote-unquote, marijuana question, and it's over our heads. But you can go learn this for yourself. What, what I learned from my study this last week, it, CBD is treated almost universally as separate from THC. Uh, you can get a product that has both, but the conversation today was about THC. We're not talking about CBD at all, but most over-the-counter stuff that you see at the checkout, at the market, that's CBD. Um, uh, <laughs> look at the science. What a lot of them are saying is that it's basically a placebo effect. So CBD has very, very, very low um, effective results in its ability to do anything, whether it be topical ointments for muscle pain or whether it be um, oral... Um, 
you know, consumption for anxiety. Um, so we're, the, we're, the answer is going to be we plead the fifth because um, your question is, it's, is it okay, is it not okay? Um, and the answer is, you know, A, it's, if it's apart from THC, it's not even what we're talking about here. So you need to do what the Holy Spirit leads you. That's really the answer. Do what the Holy Spirit leads you, assuming it's not a THC product. Um, and number two, it's a medical question, which is somewhat over our head. But that's what I learned this week. I don't know. You're more in medicine than I am, Chelsea. No pressure. I don't know about medicine. <laughs> I don't prescribe anything. Yeah. But um, with anxiety, one of the most um, effective treatments is um, talk therapy. Um, and uh, specifically what we call CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, not to be confused with CBD. Um, and what that really gets at is... Um, getting to the root of the thoughts and the thought patterns that are causing anxiety and causing um, emotional distress. And so um, more so than the the treatment surface level of anxiety, right. I would say get to the heart level of it as quickly as you can. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's so much easier to deal with problems as they come up. And anxiety is, is a normal experience. We need it. If there was a bear in the room, we would need anxiety to tell us, like, we need to get out of here. It's Feelings are warning lights. Emotions are warning lights on the dashboard. Um, the problem is when we let them be the drivers. Um, so just make sure they don't get in the driver's seat. Yeah, I love that. And we talked about that a little bit for a service. And we're a church that acknowledges feelings are from God. Okay? You know, you know, emotions are from God. We don't demonize or separate or compartmentalize feelings and emotions. They are from God, but, but you're metaphor is perfect, Chelsea, in that they don't drive the train, they don't drive the car. We, we take those feelings, we listen to them as even data coming to us from God through our body, and, and, and we process those, and maybe even sometimes surrender those and make sure they're not, you know, leading, um, yeah, the tip of the Perfect spear. example is Jesus in the garden. Right. He has, like, one of the most massive panic attack looking things that I've ever seen, and he just says, your will be done and not mine. So, right. yep. uh, obviously, Jesus never sinned, so having some anxiety or having some difficulty with what you're facing is not only normal, but it's expected, and, and God's not going to be upset at you for that. Yep. God felt, Jesus felt, we feel. It's what it means to be a human created in God's image. Question, how do we gently push our Christian friends, to higher standards like our bar? How do we gently push them? I love this question. This is so practical. And um, the first answer is always prayer. It actually is. That's not just a uh, canned, trite answer from the pastor. The first answer is prayer. If you, if you want to see someone change, which by the way, someone who's in counseling or someone who's in pastoral ministry will tell you, you cannot change people. You cannot change people. You can present them with great information and, and let that data help them make their own decisions that they own, that they truly own that process. You give them education and data. We're a sounding board for them. When they tell us feelings, we repeat back what we heard, and then they get to wrestle with that and live with that and do something about that. But one of the best ways that we can bless and help our friends is to intercede on their behalf. The Bible says that the prayers of the faithful are powerful and effective. You just got to believe that it's one of our greatest tools to see people change that we're really close to. And as we're praying and petitioning Jesus for them, two things are going to happen. One, we're going to change. We're always keeping our sights on the person that we want changed. God help them. God save them. Save them. God, they're the problem. And meanwhile, like we go to prayer and he's totally just ripping us up with loving, kind, gracious conviction that says, I need you to be patient. I need you to be more gracious. I need you to be good at asking questions and not leading with judgment or condemnation. 
And so you go to prayer and he's going to change you and he's also going to let you show up differently when you see that person. So those prayers are not just supernaturally powerful, though they are, they're naturally powerful for when you show up in, the, in your life and relationship with that person. Considering your comment about substances like alcohol being used to decrease anxiety eventually creates more anxiety, does that mean using prescription, uh, e.g. Lexapro, is sinful? So no, no. So we're, the short answer on that is no. We're not a church um, that is going to overly moralize prescription medicine for folks. Um, that, that just answers no, period. I know that there are churches that have done great harm, you know, meaning well, meaning well, but have done great harm. Pastors, teachers, and leaders who have sought to demonize or over-moralize prescription medicine that, that naturally have true, proven to help and bless and encourage people and help them get well. We're a church that doesn't wade into those waters to over-moralize it. We're simply, see, this is what Christian faith is, okay? This is what culture war is. That you can have the tension of two truths and you don't need to have them be in competition. You have to manage the mystery of both things being true. I, for example, can hold the conviction that yes, prescription medicine can be good and a blessing. And also, I should check my dependencies. The Christian maturity, the life of following Jesus allows us to manage that tension and not to demonize those who hold a, a, you know, a, a either or type of worldview. We grow. And when you grow in maturity in, as a believer, you grow in both and. You grow in the space of both and. And, and we don't demonize people who are in an either-or mentality. It's really also good. the uh, psychotropic medication versus drugs and alcohol. They, they operate very differently in your system, and they have different functions the same way that eating a piece of cake and having a piece of celery is different. Um, it's just going to do different things for you. So um, it's, it, the goal of, of medication is to help assist in some more natural functions to get you to a place of normalcy, whereas drugs and alcohol tend to be very, very short-lived, and they tend to just numb out. So our, our big thing is um, it's not about numbing. It's about moving forward and having sustainable change. Um, and yeah. This might be the last one, just because I want to leave time for prayer and for communion today. Thank you for these questions. They're awesome. So substance abuse is just another way to distract ourselves from uncomfortable feelings. Just like overeating, addictive phone use, work. I totally agree. By the way, just to pause, you could extend this conversation around alcohol and THC into any one of those things. Some of them are far, 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 way far more prevalent, right? I mean, screens. We are addicted to our screens. We know that. We know that we are because of that dopamine hit. That's the common denominator. Here's the question. How do we get away from all the distraction and embrace life for what it really is? I think is the question, the first question. How do we get away from the distraction and embrace life for what it really is? Number two, how do we relinquish control? as substance abuse is another way to control our circumstances by avoiding it. Man, that's really powerful. I'd love to hear your words on control, Chelsea. I'll say something really brief and then hand it to you and we'll, we'll go to song and communion. Um, you know, my short answer for how to, how to, how to help myself with the distraction is uh, you got to get outside. I know that sounds so basic. It's almost dumb that I would just answer that as my answer. But, but the truth of the matter is, 